an immediate way of liberating the heart is comes through uh, being able to be aware of the energetic effects of emotive patterns as they register in the body and the way we think so these through aligning the body energy thinking energy and the emotive energy these three sankharas kind of put placing them against each other how is my thinking affecting the heart state how does what I think about affect the heart state does it excite does it flatten does it tighten does it give a sense of space and expansion does it give a sense of energy does it give a sense of numbing or what or spinning um, and how's that how does the heart state affect the body state do we feel hard do we feel even lose our bodies altogether just spinning out somewhere numb fiery or what so the body seems to be kind of bursting with energy or flat and numb or how, how that's sensed Mm. using so we come to the energetic experience there's a very contraction or expansiveness as an energy as a state you can feel your way into that and you can feel it through the body and through the breathing and begin to work with that so the first thing is to be prepared to acknowledge it just as a sense with no particular moral judgement about it at all So with this we're not talking about feeling angry or feeling depressed or feeling joyful or feeling happy or feeling loving but just do I feel do I sense that feel um, contracted, tight um, swirling, bristling spacey what, how does that it's like the very palpable feel of that energy and how is it in the body where is it in the body So we can recognize the particular um, fundamental patterns that occur. So one of them is the contracted, which either, say, when I associate it with um, it's not good and it's not bad. um, It's when we get highly focused on something, there's a tightening effect Mm. on a particular object, a tightening effect.
the sharper, the more precise that is, in the, the sense of there's something tightens around that. Mm. You know, when, when we're doing some of these qigong exercises, learning how to just voluntarily tighten through, in a moment, just through hardening the gaze or by stretching or something where you suddenly you, know, you bring everything to just the one point. It's not bad, it's not good, it's just learning how to, you know, through particular derived perceptions, imagine you're, you know, shooting an arrow or something like that. So that gives a signal to the body to, to tighten up because we're now we're aiming and everything can kind of, you can feel your energy actually p- tighten and become streamlined. And now it's gone, now we release that arrow and it's just step back and everything opens up. Yeah. You're giving that signal through through a thought and the body body energy follows that. You know, when it's like if somebody says, Oh, watch out for me behind you, you know, and your body just freezes up just through the tone of voice and everything you hackles your back immediately comes up as a protective shield, you know, it does it instinctively. So these perceptions trigger particular rapid shifts in body energy. And we're all wired for that, for things that delight, things that cause turbulence. Um, A lot of our lives are just about trying to prepare and brace ourselves for, for possible future shocks or collisions you know, getting things so that things won't crash in on us. So we have quite a lot of that around uncertainty. So, you know, get a bit, def- you know, defending ourselves against the possible chaos that may occur. We don't know. And this is very much what the world does in general. Because you know, we don't People don't know they get these huge defense, what they call defense programs, (laughs) (coughs) defend people by killing thousands of them. (laughs) You know, it's a whole, you know, sort of something's in that sense. You know, the unknown could be dangerous. There's a tightening up, and and the, the whole consciousness of the planet tightens around that. Again, so it's like that, um, and it's not good or bad. But um, just recognizing, can we operate that? So when there is an object, we can, you know, sharpen around that. But then perhaps there isn't an object. We loosen. So well, let's see what happens. That kind of thing. You know, when so just learning how to operate that. So sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. So we're not saying one should never tighten up, but but just knowing what happens, you know, when it, when we can do that, when's the possibility for that? Um, now, with the tightening up experience, there's, there are particular emotional tones that come up with that uh, because of what it's about. Um, can be firmness, decisiveness, anger, um, defensiveness, frustration. We don't always recognize these are there. 
there's a there's a kind of background can be a background frustration or anger in our lives that we don't even recognise as anger because we don't feel particularly angry we're just tight and we're liable to become angry and when we do of course we have always very good reasons for that really? no so if I get tightened up I can get angry over you know somebody putting the not doing the washing up, which perhaps is not a great thing, but you know, just recognising uh, one can get quite heated over things that on paper look pretty small, um, really. You know. Because one was, one's energy was, in a, a, on the, was triggered towards that through being quite contracted and tight. So certainly notice in my own experience if I'm doing a lot of fairly sharp aimed things business meetings, management meetings then I'm on the edge of um, anger I don't feel particularly angry but I'm on the edge of it and I can easily just tip into that because the whole energy is primed towards that which defends which dismisses, which pushes away Mm. it's a natural thing our systems. They're saying, you know, tighten up means prepare for the shock, be prepared to act quickly and push it away. So and that, that can come out as angry, even though we may not feel particularly angry, but just as a, as a hard, sharp, quick energy. Mm. Uh, and it can turn into something more obviously angry. I notice this quite a lot um, in, in human beings um, without any particular malice um, and probably not even recognising just hard, sharp energy coming out and having and not really realising it if you're on the receiving end of it you certainly well, that was a bit rough person themselves was delivering it didn't, had no particular malice they weren't even thinking about it they were just something involuntary happening is triggering, but um, so it, it, we can feel like that, frustrated. Um, sometimes it's because the, the tightening is a defence against being overwhelmed. Um, if we get suddenly think of lots of things we have to do, or complexities, or big things, or detailed things, things that seem a bit more than I can grasp right now something that's going to just kind of uh-oh, close down, protect against this torrent you know. they will, they so you can get that in the morning meeting even you, know, you get a lot of information well, fix the boiler, plant the trees, water the cactus paint the, paint the showers, do the heating da, 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 da. suddenly it really feels kind of angry <laughs> or tight you know, I just hurry up, we feel suddenly jangled. You know, and actually, on one level, all that's happened is we've sat in a room and some words have been said about, you know, what might happen in the next week. But the perceptual triggers are all a lot, hurry, quick, important, should, got to, make it, the tone of voice can be like that. And this beneath one's thinking, the body energy gets triggered by that perception 
and become hard. And as we become hardened, we start to become a little more um, violent in a way. And, you know, I would suggest that all of us here have ways of, you know, trying to hold that potential violence, that, you know, cool it, contain it, not act upon it, and yet you can feel that sort of simmering of tension. What's happening? Wow. So that triggering effect. Another, so this is when something in us tightens up. Another tightening effect is when the world around us seems to be tightening up. And this is more associated with uh, depression, when you just feel the pressure of everything is crushing you down. So, you know, suddenly it's not that I feel particularly tight myself, I just feel as an enormous weight or choking or constriction too much, I just can't manage this, so I, you know, the first thing, something one tries to rise up and push against it, and it seems too big, and you just collapse, there's a feeling of the weight of everything bearing down, so that's when the sense of tightness seems to be around, rather than within. Mm. And the two can go together, if you're in a situation where um, other people are feeling, you know, tight, contracted, or angry, or whatever, and there's a lot of it. Something one begins to just, oh, I can't manage this, you know, shrink, and uh, it goes sadness. Sometimes more than sad, depression, which isn't just a mournful state; it's a real kind of hopeless, low state. Mm. And this also is generated around the should-be perceptions. Um, it can be depressing. Because it should-be paints a world in which, notionally, everybody else is one way, and this is the way you should be. Or the standard is this way, this is what you should be. Or Buddha is this way, or the good people are this way, or nice nuns are this way, or whatever. You know, so this is kind of the norm, and you ain't it. <laughs> so the norm always seems to be bigger. You know, the institution, the, the body, the general movement, the, the big person, the teacher, or whatever, is broadcast as the, the, state, the status quo where we should be. There's little me struggling, trying to, can't do it, and, oh, boom, you know, <laughs> flattened. So then you, you get that sense of that. So it should be as a very, um, as a perception, obviously it's a part of the language, but as a perception, it, it can, that depression occurs. So, of course, when we're trying to say aspiration or, you know, um, let's rise up, let's kind of, kind of fulfill ourselves, let's grow, how do we do that without the you should be thing happening? And this is, to my mind, is really what um, 
uh, the alignment and the faith is about because in a way faith is ability to, to drop the should be's and have confidence so you know, to touch your own presence as it is mm. so there's a sense in which we might say the, the, the devotion or the faith or the aspiration practices are first of all let me touch the ground you know the faith to touch one's own ground and this is what it is mm-hmm. and then actually from that there is a welling up but you can't well up until you've touched your own ground so of course you can't shortcut the process I like to be you know, the bright, the joyful, the expanded but you can't do that it isn't something you do, it's something that occurs through alignment Mm. which means actually even coming into the the tight, the contracted, the the depressed, the fearful, the incapacity state and well where do you feel that? oh it's kind of sinking in my chest and saggy what's it trying to do? it's trying to go down isn't it? so then we say well why don't we have the faith to say well just go down Mm -hmm. that's what he wants to do and this isn't going down it's going down energetically it means letting your energy drop till you come almost into the base of the body and feeling this is what touching the ground is about it's about literally you know, feeling the, the, the floor beneath you when you stand or sit and not having anything to do but that mm. so you, you know, there's, a, there's an energetic connection to ground that is, you know, it's our true basis on an energetic level. That's, you know, that's that's the home base, and then everything grows from that. You know, but the ground is the basis. When you connect to that, then okay, here we are. And there's a whole attitude about that, isn't there? It's like just the simplicity and the directness and the no frills and the who I am is this and you know, there's an attitude about that. So that descent of energy is, is actually is not depressing. It's a relief in a way to, to stop straining to, to pull out but to first of all connect in. Mm and take time to let things settle find their own place and build up sometimes just acknowledging one's tightness or depression saying fine, okay this is where it is, let's feel that out and what does it want to do? it wants to shrink, it wants to go down and where can that that happen in a bodily sense when we're just standing feeling the ground beneath the feet because what tends to happen in life is the head the thinking energy, the head, which is up in the head you think of the things you should and could and got to do by Tuesday and so forth you come up here and if it's very strong it actually pulls you off the ground you, know, you, you lose the, the feet and the base you 
the sense that everything moves up and forward the kind of strained up and forward sense which you get quite act hyperactive with but we lose the groundedness so after a while it's, you know you run out of steam on that level because you're not getting the fundamental um, nourishment or energy from the ground it's the you know it's got to come from somewhere and it comes from being connected so you know with all kinds of you know, aspirations and motivations and determinations and good wishes and you know lovely very clear and beautiful ideas and what we can, you know to really care for the ideas are fine but just what the energy is doing mm. not the ideas but just what the energy is doing if you can you know if that can be held in the right energy beautiful I suggest that most of us need to continually filter and prune quite a bit of that just because our energies, energetic connections are not capable of handling that much check it out, you know, who your capacity is and certainly in, in this, this life we can come in with that and you, know, you see that suffering and you know in others and in oneself and so forth is a great wish to help and cure and fix it and make it better fine you know but this, the willingness is there is the capacity there because if the capacity is not there you spin up go out burn out crash down disillusionment despair out the door <laughs> You know, and that, I've seen this happen in, in many times in monastic life for people you know, weren't they weren't willing, weren't that they weren't keen but just didn't know the difference between willingness and capacity and that not being a permanent statement not like I'm never capable but today I'm not and that maybe that will happen you know? and just knowing today is not it you know, well let's see if we can you know where the capacity is sometimes you just got to go low and be there for a while comes up and I, I suggest that the um, one of the ways of, of really recognising this because the thinking mind just so screens everything and, and, and uh, clouds over everything and even the emotions aren't always that trustworthy you can feel quite, you know, upbeat, but not really be grounded with that. Not to say you can't be upbeat and grounded. Yeah, sure. But I mean, you can be upbeat, but not not really earthed. And so, just checking in with that. And one thing to recognise uh, I would offer is a sense of tightness there's a time sense to that there's a pushiness in that there's a um, you know, you can feel the energy is kind of pulling up, pulling up, pulling up and we're tightening up and you know, when that is something that we don't recognise or it becomes a compulsion becomes almost a, a pattern of behaviour I start to think of doing anything, I immediately tighten Mm. Well, this needs to be checked, doesn't it? 
because tightening is okay if you're doing it clearly, finite purpose, this occasion, this view in mind, there it is. But when it becomes something that just grabs us, then we need to be aware what's going on and check the perceptions that are occurring because the, the very tightening of, it, of that body energy is triggered by perceptions of should and could be and what if and so forth and what they want and what she needs and so forth and all that and also it brings up perceptions so having been triggered you get the perception of things like there's a lot to do I'm the only person who can do this I've got to they won't if it doesn't happen if, if you know, so well, that kind of thing comes up you know, intellectually we can say, no, nah, nah, nah. But still, perceptual perceptions are much more gripping than just pure concepts. Mm. But certainly in my own experience, then, you know, I can feel very gripped by uh, perceptions of responsibility, you know, even though conceptually I can, yeah, you know, I'm go, you know, and I can kind of have a reasonable stab at handling it and, uh, you know, keeping fairly on key, or still I can feel very gripped by that, you know. Not this monastery, but, but not just this monastery, but the Sangha in the West kind of thing. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Buddhism in the West. Oh. Uh, purity of the lineage. Oh, no. Know, what it should be and how you've got to make it something and as I say intellectually these things are just yeah ridiculous but their perception can be there and I can feel myself you know tightened up and even feeling this is the way you should be you know soldier like getting on with it you know out there, carrying the weight, the hero. And you get very confused and upset when other people are saying, hey, it's all about being loose and relaxed and just taking it easy and don't struggle. And you're going, yeah, fine, but that's the reason why I'm tight and relaxed is because <laughs> you're relaxed because you're leaning on me. <laughs> These can be extremely complex, these perceptions, and you don't really know how real they are. But that's, those are the things that can grip the heart. So, who knows? But eventually, you know, we can come down to the present saying, there's this, there's a sense of pressure. Okay, you know, well, can I, how do I come out of that? And it's extraordinarily complex to come out of that intellectually or through some, some psychological process, you know, well you need to be more caring, or this, or that. yeah, you know, we know the words but sometimes something just wants to blow out, you know <laughs> or drop 
you know, and let that happen. You know, it's like something in the very awareness. Uh, awareness is almost like a subtle body, and it's just when it's pushed up, bunched in something, it just wants to drop you know, or blow out. You know, and you know, yeah, this is what it needs to do. It doesn't mean kind of, you know, running a mock. <laughs> can do that, you know, one can cultivate doing that in sitting and standing, just the out-breath, the dropping of those, of that. Mm. Feeling the tightness in the shoulders, the neck. Mm. And recognizing, well, if you, if you don't do that, sooner or later you're going to get angry. And then you get guilty about being angry, and you get depressed about being guilty, and then so forth. And it's all just tight, tight, more tight, tight. And then if you want to make them tighten it up a bit more, that's all those patterns do. That which was tight, you just tight one just tightens up around. Because you just one is adding more of the make it different should be different, change it to the original constriction. And that, all that does is tighten it up. And somehow, you know, what one might say, you know, attitudinally is that so it needs to be said like, it's fine to be this way, let it roll, you know, let it be there. Which doesn't mean act upon it, doesn't mean enact it doesn't mean do things but it means in awareness just to let that let that be like that and when one's cultivating you know this path in a process process way realizing just you have to know how to to respond to the to the process patterns that are coming up when one's starting to get spinning flattened pressurized tense or whatever it is just well you know, and one can actually, you know, do that in meditation, as a meditation. If we don't make meditation itself another tightening up perception, right? You know, so is meditation another set of, you know, this and get this and get that. And yeah, I mean, sure, you put things like jhanas and piti sukha and nibbana up on the agenda. Well, that's what you should be, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and maybe there is a reason. So yes, okay. Well, if you can tighten up in the sense of that's the aim, that's, that means get with that breath. Fine. But if it becomes just a general overall, you know, right across the spectrum constriction, this is not a skillful tightening. This is the fearful, depressive tightening. This is the mood tightening. It's not a tightening of attention, it's a tightening of emotion. No, we don't need that. So, to, well, it talks in terms of Dhamma, and certainly it's, well, it's a responsibility. But I know I, I should be better. <laughs> and all that. But, you know, you can try to present things that are, say, the inspiration or how, how lovely it could be but saying that has to come.
from that have the faith and uh, you know gathering yourself really around that to allow it to do what it needs to do and I tell you it will shift mm. in, in its own time and the process is not a straight line it's, you don't really quite know what you're going to move through in that there might be times it's just it's being with the breath or walking or just going into dropping every thought or practicing metta you know it's going to be the way that actually helps to align yourself to handle and get around the particular what's happening to your awareness I find it quite interesting as I experiment and practice um, just you know finding out what what that subtle awareness body wants to do and 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 you know following it. Yesterday I was getting a lot of um, energy moving up. So we have this the upright axis, which energy can move up and down through. And I was finding there was a lot of kind of hot energy coming up yesterday. So I was sort of feeling quite overexcited. Mm. And then after while trying to kind of hold it down, um, you know, a sense of just going into into what I call spherical or horizontal, which means like feeling instead of going the upright sense, going into the horizontal sense, so it's like a sense of widening and particularly opening out through the chest. You know, so as I touched into just that that possibility, instead of just holding upright, you know, kind of a sense of also having a width and an expansion. And then suddenly the whole thing moved into metta bhavana. I didn't decide to do it. it. Just that was the that was the the way that that awareness expressed itself. And it was kind of like a a sphere, an expanding sphere of uh, the basis of the Brahma Vihara. This is very good because, you know, for learning some of these things, because obviously Brahma Vihara itself is uh, something that, that counteracts, you know, the heated energy of anger. And, uh, you know, it's, del- it's about hatred, ill will, cramped, you know, which is energy really bristling and tightening up the sense of open, boundless space, which one is beginning to, to touch into. So this is much more sense of acknowledging the dimension around one's body, feeling out the space around the body, just kind of opening up into it. And that takes some of the heat and the pressure off. Probably what's less talked about is that Brahmavihara is also useful for sexual energy, because sexual energy is another energetic form 
that's tight and hot and moves in the upright plane. You know. So then something that tends towards kind of releasing that, which of course what sexual energy wants to do. But coming up to the heart chakra and or the heart center, having a sense of just the opening up through that. So that helps to, you know, just get the energetic balances. As we begin to explore, just bearing in mind as a as a thing to investigate, find out for yourself, how many of these strong primary emotional patterns, anger, sexuality, grief, fear, are really the voices of particular energetic patterns. They're, the ener- they're those particular energetic patterns speaking, if you like, and they talk in that particular language. So you don't really need to just keep fiddling with the language. Um, or trying to, you know, because actually that will just be getting the energy to tell lies. <laughs> I'm not being defensive, I'm being polite. Okay, this is nice to being polite and to the point. I'm not being angry and defensive, I'm just being polite and exactly to the point. You know, this is how you get an energy to tell a lie. But to go, <laughs> you know, so, but you go to the very you know, the somatic sense of that and what does that fear want to do? Maybe the fear needs to get the sense of there being something around me that's, that's steady and holding. Mm-hmm. You're not just out there in a, in a void. There's ground beneath you, there's space around you. Sometimes on these retreats, these are this, if you like, this what I call the horizontal or the spatial dimension is is a challenge for us, because in one way it can be very uh, beautiful to have the openness of the space around us. You know, we start to come out of being quite busy and engaged, and then, oh, that's nice. But then it becomes also. there's difficulties with it. We can feel strangely alone because we don't have the same sense of human contact that helps to keep us alive. Like, hey, you're okay, I'm okay, we're okay, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just that, just a sort of like a basic touching of, of energy. You know? Nothing more than that, just a sense of warmth or friendliness or connection. You know, this is a, a difficult area, isn't it? Because one doesn't want to be dumping or jumping into people and yet sometimes it feels uh, just somebody kind of be there for five minutes I would help me to come out of the um, particular way what's happened you know where where one might one's perceptions might start to take the space as alone nobody interested no direction got to carry all this myself 
a lot, you know, a lot of unknown things out there, and I've got to carry it all myself. And suddenly, what was beautiful, open, you know, a bestowal of beautiful open space becomes being dumped in a cold, confusing void. Um, you know, and the triggers start shifting. We find ourselves, well, something to do, something to talk to, something to get with, you know. Mm. And certainly, this is um, kind of a, a strange area in, re- in retreat situations because sometimes it's nice just to talk with people or to feel there's a little bit of contact there. And yet, we can also, all of us can recognize that on occasions that's what I don't need. And right now I just need to you know, drop inwardly, mm. you know, connect to my ground. I don't, you know, right now I don't want that particular connection around me. I want the connection within and down. Mm. But as a, as a basis, you know, however one negotiates the sense of being with others, sitting with others, or occasionally talking with others in particular places or whatever. At least, I'd say, primarily being able to acknowledge these two energetic directions, the up, down, vertical, the alignment to the ground, and we're all here, right up through the body and the spine, and then what's around me, the space around me, or the sense of at least the whole body kind of being opening up to and being willing to, to touch that, that sense, you know, of there isn't around me. And that the around me can be something that's okay. You know, that's it's not closing me down. It's not a vice. It's not a lot of unfeeling um, people, you know. And I just emphasize this this is not a statement about anybody else. Other people might be, all kinds of things, but it's not a statement. A statement is what it feels like what it can feel like, which you know, we have to take personal responsibility for. Um, and, but then take, you know, taking responsibility, but also being uh, giving some ideas of how to work with that. So sitting, walking meditation, for example, is m- something that gives you a much fuller feeling of the space around you, because your body has to in its subtle way, negotiate through the space. You know, just walking along, whether you're thinking about it or not, your body is knowing the space around you. When I come back in the evenings and I come over in the mornings from my kuti, there's a little passage I go through which is always dark. Um, And, you know, there's a dumb hall which is light, and then sometimes there's lights you know, outside my cootie, sometimes not. But there's a passage of the walkway which is completely, well, very nearly pitch black. There's this very dim light, very little at all. I know there's all kinds of things in there as well. There's, there's stones and lumps of firewood and there's a, there's a step, you know, that you can't see. And I have a little, tiny little torch, but I just thought, you know, I'll stop using the torch. Just walk along. 
and just walking along like that little little patch, feeling the whole body kind of come alive, like what's happening, you know, and feel the real sense of the body negotiating that way. I don't walk that slowly, I just walk along, but aware, feeling out the space. One morning I came over, and almost before I before I really recognized it, my body had ducked. You know, something, it, I'd half recognized some shape in the darkness, which I didn't know I'd seen, and the body had immediately ducked. It was that immediate, the sense of the body's ability to, to respond to the space around and do the things needed to be doing, whether the head, which is generally <laughs> somewhere else, knows it or not. <laughs> so we do have this kind of, quality of innate awareness which is embodied and coming to that like doing walking meditation so keeping your eyes very light because um, we often um, detract from body awareness through visual awareness that is the eyes take over and you rely purely on that so in walking meditation you can find yourself kind of your eyes are looking at things or trying to hold things Try to walk along almost as if you're blindfolded, or as if you, your, your eyes are focused on infinity. And feel how the body feels in that space. It's not just about the feet, it's about also the torso. How you can, like moving through water, and feeling the space around you. And there's a lovely, it can be, quite a lovely opening that occurs there, a sense of um, a groundedness in movement because we are contacting the space around us that's always there and that calms us down to recognize we're with something that's always there even when you move along it's there you never lost it you're always with your own space there's something kind of comforting about that so once the body recognizes that it feels at home because it feels at home the perception changes into oh here we are and the mind, thinking mind calms down yeah. but if you don't get to that often walking along gives up, brings rise to the perceptions of going somewhere automatically we only walk in order to get somewhere so walking is here we go getting there, how long for Getting along, end of the path, turn around, there we go, you are going to get there. Even though you know that your brain knows there's nowhere you're going to get to, but perceptually, your energy is triggered to going somewhere. So you're caught in this kind of lunatic paradigm of determinedly going to nowhere. <laughs> and you get bored and restless because the energy is saying this is about getting somewhere, and yet very clearly it's not. So we need to recognize in walking, all we need to get to is the very centimeter in front of your chest and that will move along with you. You know, if you keep it right here, all you need to get to is where you are. Um, and that's a way of beginning to acknowledge this, uh, you know, awareness energy that's, that you're configured within and following it.
mention the the objects that we can meditate upon vary body thoughts energies emotions moods so on <coughs> but what is um, consistent is the way of handling them of witnessing handling reviewing feeling out mm. and this is really the skill of meditation is this mm. whereas the ordinary habit of the mind tends to be just to stick to an object or to repel it we don't like it or we like it so it's a rather limp kind of habit is kind of stick or throw away the real skill of meditation is is that we don't do either of these um, so it's bringing bringing the his mental faculties alive by making them much more agile and sensitive because this is the heart of meditation is just this awakening and brightening of the mental faculties and as they brighten then how they shift and change by themselves how they become first of all fairly a fairly coarse like thinking considering you know and then they gradually as it gets as the process continues they gradually those coarser forms begin to melt away and we're left with something that's finer just like sensitivity and uh, awareness um, so that the, the naturally the mind distills into something purer just through its own dexterity it shakes off the dullness and the numbness um, of ordinary habits In, in two themes to two things to bear in mind is the quality of sati, which is that which mindfulness brings us brings the attention to the present moment. Just thought that's a kind of maybe bring our attention to the present moment, just the very edge of what's happening right now. And sampajanya, which is we we sense that we feel it out we, uh, how is that mm. yeah. so these two act together to generate a kind of a contemplative sense both present mm. here now specific this particular sensation this body this feeling also reflective mm, how is it what does it do what's happening mm. so as we come into our, our bodily sense how do we know we have a body what right now tells us that in and of itself, what's the tactile, what's the bodily sense of itself, the pressures, the heat, 
and spending the time to really listen into the body and not be pulling it around but really listening in to it letting it feel itself so if you're letting something take shape in awareness and that sometimes the body has to move and shift to feel more comfortable it's rather like letting the body experience take take shape, crystallize, become more definite in your awareness rather than just a vague idea that you've got a body or feel a little bit get the feeling for the whole thing it becomes more definite Mm. the very act of of tuning in like that is something that asks us to put aside our thinking set excessive discursive thinking and also helps to quench the hunger for thinking because we've got something to explore and tune into that is relevant to the here and now so you can take it a moment at a time with a question how do you know you have a body where is your body what is your body get the real physical feeling for that And you might find certain attitudes help. Something maybe firm or kindly. You know, like you really want to know something, or your attention is is well wishing towards your body. Like you're trying to feel it out as if it's something that's um, you wish to feel well. And how will that happen? You know, where do you need to relax or straighten or breathe deeper to make it feel more complete, more settled? So that sense of correct intention. purely kind of academic exercise
the sampajanya faculty, the quality of awareness, <coughs> full awareness, you begin to just note feeling out how this bodily experience is something that's flowing and shifting and changing, comes in waves and ripples and pulses. And it may present whichever feature, whichever aspect you're contemplating may present itself in certain ways it's painful or pleasant or in what we call elemental terms in terms of its earth, its solidity sense of being grounded and firm connected to the ground, the bones, the sense of the weight of the body. So we can look out for that particular attribute. One may present itself in terms of warmth, ripples of warmth, Mm. or as something that seems very flowing, cohesive, or that's something that's a matter of continual pulses and breaths and flickering senses. So these elements, earth, fire, water, air. And so we recognize the continual flux of all that. These attributes or elements, some things we can we can um, focus on because they are aspects of the mind's own ability to find meaning there's a certain enjoyment energy in it and it's important to make the meditation something which the mind is asked or can contribute to, otherwise it gets bored, restless. So it's like saying, what does this remind you of? The mind has to, oh, feels kind of like this. Oh, how big is it? So this way of, of uh, exploring, sensing, keep resonating with what's happening. What is it, what's it like? Mm. So in this way, our attention gets bonded to, to the meditation object. And we need to know what kind of things to add, a sense of momentariness, a sense of patience, a sense of care, a sense of um, interest, inquiry, something that brings it all into your own way of enjoying yourself. What makes life enjoyable for you?
realize this is this is so important and sometimes neglected in meditation. Just what makes it enjoyable? Where what gives you joy in the way that you work with anything? Sense of freedom to explore. Such as someone who likes to consider things or someone who likes to more on a kind of imaginative level or perhaps you need to, you like to have a feeling of uh, friendship and kindness happening mm. what, what makes things enjoyable for you? that's what we need to, that's the bit that you only know that you to ask your mind to bring up to contribute in meditation it's a bit that you can't have from a teacher or a book because it's your bit this is what makes it so um, interesting and so personal so much about you opening and finding confidence in yourself bringing your own life into this practice and it, without this it will never work it will just be something one does from various series of intentions but it won't be the fullness of what you have this is what it's asking for you the fullness of what you have and you know begins to tell, show you that you have a fullness there's nothing missing just so often bits are held back 